Hello and welcome to Court Games, a Legend of the Five Rings podcast funded by the Legend of the Five Rings Discord Patreon. This podcast will focus on the role-playing game stories and lore for Legend of the Five Rings. I'm Korva. I'm Kikita Kaori, and we have a special guest today. Uh, we have Shannon Calvar, who is a uh, experienced game master in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. He has multiple writing credits as a RPG game designer for earlier editions of Dungeons & Dragons. And uh, also, he knows L5R very well, and he talked with us in a previous interview about the upcoming adventures in Rokugan, which is what we're going to talk about today. Hi, Shannon. <laughs> Thank you for having me back. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. We have a little news. So, to start off with, the latest Legend of the Five Rings novel, Heart of Iuchiban, is coming very close to publication, and we've managed to get hold of a preview copy. This is Heart of Iuchiban by Evan Dicken. What do you think? I liked like 90% of it, <laughs> but I, I kind of, the ending wasn't what I was expecting, I think is my, my very quick review. Of oh, okay. It. But I really like the characters and there are moments in there that I thought were really amazing. And I kind of almost want to see the anime version of. <laughs> And it's just, I can, it's one of those things where I can see why the ending is the way it is, but it mm-hmm. wasn't what I was expecting. And that's Fair pretty enough. much it. But, 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 um, yeah, there's a lot of really interesting stuff in there. And, uh, like I say, it all, it all, it's all depends on how the landing, the ending lands for the particular individual reader. Well, you can go ahead and pre-order that. Uh, it's available for pre-order at the uh, Aconite website that has links to a variety of places you can pre-order it from. In addition, there is a preview article out on uh, Simon & Schuster website. We'll have links to this in our show notes for the Game of 100 Candles, which is by Marie Brennan. And this is the sequel to Night of a Thousand Demons, right? Yeah, uh, Hundred Demons. Hundred is, is apparently it might be the theme, but I, I don't know how many more hundred things there are. But yeah, it's it's the same characters from Hundred Demons. So the text for that is two samurai risk their hearts, souls, and their very existence to stop an occult phantom from destroying the world in this stunning supernatural fantasy from Legend of the Five Rings. The demon vanquishing samurai, Asako Sekin, and Agasha no Isao Ryotora are summoned to Winter Court. Their exploits with the spirit realms have taken a toll on the pair, and the cut and thrust of Rokugani politics proves challenging. After being urged to share their tales of adventure, the Winter Court guests begin to fall into a deep sleep from which they cannot wake. Fearing foul play, the phoenix demand retribution, but Sekin and Ryotora uncover the hand of a supernatural trickster, seeking entry to the mortal realm. The path to victory will risk their lives and the strange bond between them, but they must succeed lest something awful escape into Rokugan. And we all loved Night Parade of a Hundred Demons. Mm-hmm. So we're really looking forward to this. I certainly am. <laughs> So, some news, but the big news, of course, is Adventures of Rokugan was 
out. Uh, I was able to uh, play the Festival of One Million Blossoms, which was the little preview adventure. Uh, it was by uh, Spooky, Robert Denton III, for Gen Con. And had a good time there. Got to play a courtier, so we got to see some of the new classes. And so we're going to talk about, you know, some portion of that today with yeah, Shannon. Yeah, obviously this is a whole role-playing game core book, so there's a lot to it. So we're going to see how far we get. And so this might be a multiple-part examination, but this is... Not, I wouldn't quite say this is a new face of Rock or the new face of Legend of Five Rings, but it's certainly a new take and a whole new audience. So I think it's very important that we do it. Right. And let's, let's explore that because this is a jam-packed book, okay? Even if I oh, look yeah. at it in terms of a core book, I mean, this mm. thing is huge, right? <laughs> uh, I'm not, and I'm not just talking about the number of pages, although goodness right. knows it's, it's, it's enormous and it's got you know, beautiful art. Um, but it also covers a huge amount of ground, creating entirely new ideas for how you might play in Rokugan and exploring new concepts mechanically. I mean, it's, it's gigantic, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. And sort of when I'm reading through an RPG book, why do I say that? When I'm looking, reading through an RPG book, I think about RPGs in kind of three, kind of in a triangle, right? Right. On one side, you have toys. And a toy is something that gives you joy. And... You, it's a tool for imagination, mm. right? And if it doesn't give you joy and it doesn't spark your imagination, it's not a good toy for you personally. Somebody else might find it really nice, but it's not your toy, right? Uh, my kids, and one of them is 18 and the youngest is 14, still play with blocks. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they can sometimes come down here and they play with blocks. And that's awesome. They're telling stories. They're having fun with the blocks. The blocks are a toy. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and they're probably going to shoot me if they ever hear that. No, they won't. <laughs> but, you know, I just embarrass them in, in front of the world. That is part of your job as a father. Well done. It is. It is. Thank you. Uh, the second part is simulation, mm. right? Um, and the, this is from the this is from the 90s, right, where we wrote yeah. things like Nephilim, <laughs> which was created to simulate European high magic. And mm. Why would you want to play that? Nobody did, as far as I know. I'm sure somebody did. They'll, they'll like text me now. But <laughs> the point being, these things are simulations are designed to very specifically represent a thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not not necessarily reality, right? But sometimes a particular genre, a genre, or an idea of a genre, right? And then you have the actual game, and the game games are kind of you have resources. Right. You have things you have. You have actions you can take. And those resources and actions are used to manipulate a space. Right. Right. So if you think like a Monopoly board, which is a competitive game, I have my tokens that move around the edges of the board. There are rules about how that works. I have my money and I have my houses in an RPG. I have my character, which tells me what actions I can take and my specific resources. Right. I have the game rules that define some more actions for me. And then I have the space, typically a combat space where I'm trying to control the space, remove my opponents from the board. Mm. Does that make sense? Just as kind of a- you're, you're trying to, you've got the, the, the kind of the dials and switches that are your character sheet and the game mechanics. Right. And you're wanting to have an effect on 
the game world, the scene that's in front of you, the elements that you've been told about the, by the game master. If they say that there's a door, you can open the door, you can close the door, you can do stuff to the door if that's what you want to do. If there are horrible monsters, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got spells, you can get rid of them that way. If you've got a sword, you can get rid of them that way. That sort of thing. That's what That you, sort of thing. Yeah. I was going to ask, in an RPG, what would be the difference between the game and the toys? Mm. Well, that's one of the joys of RPGs, right? Because you could have a game um, <laughs> that was about sailing giant chainsaws across the tops of trees. Right. <laughs> which was actually a Gen Con. And, <laughs> uh, you know, that may bring some people a great deal of joy to have that kind of a construct. And then you have a whole set of games about that construct, right? Because there's a whole set of game whole set of rules in that particular game about your giant chainsaw ship and does it crash into the green sea um that's kind of cool but but that's a toy that brings you joy and its imagination Mm. okay the imagination part is the toy yeah well it and ideally in an rpg you find an rpg where the game sparks joy and imagination for you right Mm. my first experience of that as a player or as a game master or i guess as a person who does rpgs was actually with rune quest i think it was second edition where i created over 200 characters just because it was fun <laughs> yeah yeah actually creating the characters not not just not even playing them not even i've playing. had a couple of games but yeah just making them can be fun yeah it was a good time that was a toy yeah. right it was a mechanical toy um on the other hand you might have a fairly brutal um as somebody imagined World War II game or World War II superheroes game. Now, are there really World War II superheroes? No. Uh, <laughs> but you could create a simulation that accurately tried to accurately represent bullet damage against bullet resistant targets. Mm. Um, and somebody might find that quite joyful. Um, I have my own opinions about that, but I, <laughs> for somebody that might be a great toy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think. A toy can be the whole idea of the game. Mm-hmm. A toy can be a particular sort of character. Yep. And a toy can even be a, a particular game mechanic. Sure. I mean, because, yeah, there are game mechanics that are just there because, you know, if, if, if you're in a game where you can fight monsters with swords, you need sword fighting mechanics. You do. <laughs> um, but for some, that's the toy. Mm-hmm. And for some, the spells are the toy. So, the, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So I, I wanted to bring that up just because it, it's really important when we think about things. Like, how do I, does, how, how, why did I put together a character class, right? Mm. Uh, a character class brings resources to the, to the player from the game standpoint, right? And it helps define and control which actions you can take. But it's also a toy. It's a way of inspiring and giving you to think about something and put something together that you might not have explored before. And mm. so we, we, you, with RPGs in particular, you can't, it, it's, I use them as separate points, but I do them in a triangle so that you know, I can mark them. Well, I, I can see what they're trying to do here or here or here. Right, right. Okay. I just wanted to bring that up because I'm going to use those words as I'm talking and I want them to have meaning. So, okay. That makes sense. Okay. So as we dive into the book discussion, you know, there, the first thing that you run into in the book is a expansive introduction that kind of 
does a little bit of explaining the world to non-L5R players, because that's really the target audience of the book. And one of the things that has caused a lot of discussion on a lot of forums is how in this section the book addresses uh, Asian stereotypes and various um, problematic tropes that have come up in the past for L5R and other uh, Asian inspired RPGs. I can say that some people are really happy about the changes in the discussion here. And uh, some people are like, that's not my Rokugan. And and some of the things that are done is in the book is that it, instead of seppuku being an encouraged threat, they say, get rid of it. Don't include it in your games. Um, instead of having... Um, honor being referred to much at all. They don't talk about that as a thing. And they've changed some of the, you know, they don't have Burakuman, they don't have the separation of the social classes to the degree that L5R did. They have it more as, a, you know, nobility and common people, common folk. Uh, and they also include in the book more Asian cultures that are not Japanese. And they actively talk about doing certain things, changes made to address uh, Asian stereotypes and stuff like, oh, heaven forbid, never do this with a Japanese accent or something like that. So um, I, I wanted to talk about that a little bit first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it has caused um, controversy online. Um, none of these changes come out of nowhere. One thing we do know is that there were at least two Japanese sensitivity readers. Uh, I would not be surprised if there were multiple additional sensitivity readers for for other Asian cultural groups for this as well. Um, All of the changes made are directly to address real and voiced concerns that have come up before with uh, L5R in the past and other other issues. Okay, so this isn't somebody making something up for um, I don't know to get good boy credits or something like that. It's not that's not what this is about. The other thing is that I've seen is like, well, you know, we would never do it that way. We can have we understand honor and seppuku and all these things. We can include it, so they should have it. Uh, experienced L5R players who might be being very sensitive on these topics are not the target audience for this book. I am obviously not as big a part of the uh, community, but I, I would say um, that that is that that point about target audience, which is the one that we brought up in our original discussion about this, is really very important. Um, this book is not trying to replace the. L5R of the roll and keep, right? Yeah. It's trying, it's, it is presenting a different view, but it's actually trying to do something very, very different, really. And it's trying to be, do so in a way that is accessible to the much broader audience of people who play other games. Mm, and specifically Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. Very specifically, the Dungeons and Dragons players, yes. <laughs> but that's a large audience. <laughs> it's a large audience, and it's a specific audience. So Absolutely. that's the thing that needs to be taken into account. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, but I was, I'm curious what you think about that. 
uh, Kovar, because... Uh, I have to say, I have not had an opportunity to read it myself. Okay. So all I have is secondhand <laughs> information. Okay. And, I mean, the main thing is, there are things that need to be addressed, but the question is, how well are they addressed? Mm-hmm. And are they addressed in the right way? Because, some, I mean, again, I've only heard second and third hand. Mm-hmm. But the question is, are you moving towards a more generic Asian, in quotes, background? Are you essentially mixing in other cultures as opposed to having set other cultures out there? Because like, as a thing we'll get to is that there is now an official fake fantasy China and an official, I believe, fake fantasy Korea mm-hmm. yes. to go with our fake fantasy Japan, which I love. <laughs> I think it's brilliant. I'm so I'm, I'm really happy about that. But the question is, are you also at the same time making rock again a generic Asian place as opposed to specifically Japanese or something based off Japan? Because that's a thing that has always that has plagued a great many previous <laughs> Asian setting. And, and, and yeah, I, I, from some people has the what I've heard is that some people think it has gone that way a bit. But I, I myself don't know. Right. I don't think that it has. I understand why people have said so, because there's two ways to approach L5R and two different groups of players who are actively playing L5R now. And one group of players plays L5R as an adventuring world where you go on quests and you fight Shadowlands and Mahosukai and evil devious lords and generally you're heroic, but you might dip into the, you know, non-heroic stuff for, you know, because the need is great. And this kind of goes into how all the clans visualize themselves as being heroic. Does that make sense? Nobody thinks that they're just another, you know, the, the clan in the stories and the legends that they tell them about themselves, all the clans are heroic in different ways, right? And it's this heroic style of, of playing, all right? That is one way to play L5R and is very much played. I've played a lot of Heroes of Rokugan um, at this point. I've seen a lot of modules. And this actually is very, very common way to play. All right, the scale of the adventure might vary, okay? It's not the only way to play. Another way to play is looking at Rokugan and saying, okay, it has magic and Shadowlands, but what I really care about is the simulationist aspect where I want to play very gritty uh, Japanese movies, (laughs) kind of Rokugan, and everybody's at least half bad uh, and you're trying to rebel against the system or at least um you know having your your face shoved in the indignity and the and the pain of the world i would argue that's really a little reductive um to to put i'm like like there's also i want something that is authentic to Mm -hmm. the source material I want something that is authentic to the Japanese samurai dramas that I've watched. Right. Yeah, and that's that's neither of those two things that you've just mentioned. <laughs> this this goes back to what I was talking about with simulations and toys. Yeah. 
right? Simulations are by their nature pretty narrow, right? Because they have to be. If, if you're going to simulate something, you have to be pretty clear about what it is you're simulating. Yeah. Um, and a, But a role-playing game can be a simulation. In fact, often they have simulationist elements. But to your point about you want to have these samurai dramas from the movies that you watched, mm. right? Ron, I would imagine, is in there, right? Um, <laughs> Seven Samurai. Yeah, yeah, but also, but also, you look at look at Sanjiro, which is not anywhere near as as gritty and and horrible, right? Well, and no, it's actually, quite yeah. quite lighthearted and that kind of thing, yeah. But it's realistic, I guess. The, the, real, the realism or lack of it is not the key issue for me, right? It's the question of whether or not you can you can simulate those scenarios and those conflicts uh, in a way that is playable, right? Yeah. That has an interact kind. Of, I hate to use the word interactive because it means so many weird things. But that has an interactive exchange of actions, resources into the space, and brings you joy in doing so. Yeah. So it's not like pulling teeth to pull off what you want to do, <laughs> right? Um, you you could do it in Champions. Yeah. Uh, if you wanted to spend like twelve hours figuring it out, um, and for some people that's joy. The rest of us write other role playing games, um, so. But no, your your point is actually very valid. I guess that simulationist aspect, whether you, you know it's as gritty as I I say, it, at least the you know, hi, you are fighting giant oni and you know casting big spells and and all of that is kind of downplayed in that. That could well, not necessarily. You know, I mean, I can I can definitely think of examples where that is. You know, like there's there's. It's generally, I think, Legend of the Eight Samurai is what it generally is called, but that's literally a whole bunch of people fighting big, horrible monsters, including enormous centipedes. And well, in, that case, in that case, it might be leaning into the into the epic adventure thing. I'm not, yeah, I'm not yeah, saying yeah. every movie is, but for some groups of players, they are much more into the darker world. I'm not saying you. I'm not saying every samurai movie is 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 in that in in that darker world but it's a darker vision of the world okay these two groups of players one a more big adventure version and one a narrower simulationist a bit darker world are not the same group and if you are looking to try and create really painful conflicts of honor and things that drive people to seppuku and losing the people, you know, and and, and some of the 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 painful, and I'm, I don't mean this in a bad way, but painful, heartbreaking moments, push moments um, of story in an RPG. Uh, Adventures in Rokugan is not the the game for that. Sure, it's for the big adventure aspect. It can still be kind of orthogonal to how how well they are representing the world that they're portraying, yes. and how well they're representing the cultures that they are claiming to be inspired by. Right. Well, what what I'm saying is that um, some of the elements that these uh, are being removed are, uh, you know, are needed maybe to get those uh, to sell some of those darker simulationist stories, like like seppuku. Uh, and so people who are looking to the game and saying, I can't run L5R the way I want to run it in this game because it, it takes them out, 
does not necessarily mean that Adventures in Rokugan is a bad game. It's just not the game for that style of playing L5R. That's what I'm trying to get get at. So why take it out? Well, you know, this is being targeted towards a different audience. It's play, it's not that's not important for the kind of game that it's making and keeping it in there encourages a less thoughtful approach to topics like seppuku and honor that you know you don't necessarily want to be encouraging this less thoughtful approach uh, in your target audience of 16 18 year old new dungeons and dragons players okay uh, but we st- i still think that that doesn't mean that every one of these changes is necessary because i like i like i said haven't read it myself but some of the, if it, it, that does not mean that every single one of these changes goes in the right direction. Absolutely. Right. Well, I guess but I'm questioning what right is. It depends which one. No, no, no. Because, because I mean like that downplaying Sepika is just perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's absolutely not. I, yeah, I absolutely okay. feel that's reasonable given the circumstances. Mm-hmm. But there are, and and I believe the like there are, there are things like the the fortunes aren't named specifically for real life deities like the right, seven lucky just, gods, right? Idol. And yes, yeah, so you you have Lady Sun and Lord Moon and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Perfectly fine. It's whether or not straight up putting Confucianist ideas as bluntly as they have done. Does that actually serve the purpose that we're talking about? I think it's great, personally. We've talked a lot on this show about um, how, in order to understand honor, yes, Mm. talking about honor, though they don't talk about it a lot in the book, in order to understand honor and how the honor mechanic works in the game. We talked about how you have to understand that Japanese society and the formation of the ideas that eventually led to the ideas behind this construct called Bushido um, requires a foundation in um, Confucianism, which is like the base scholarship of you know, all of the countries in, in Asia before you start getting into the, like, the individual takes on it. Because each culture then takes Confucianism and they mix it with Buddhism and they mix it with their own uh, history. It mixes with Shintoism and 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 you between the melding pot of those ideas, you get um, how Japanese culture works. But in what they have done in adding Confucianism, they don't add it like saying this is Confucianism, but they do say. But this, they do add the concepts of things like filial piety, yeah, uh, and say that this is uh, this is a thing that the society values. And to do that, rather than say any of it is real life based, they say it's you know the code of Akoto rather than the code of Bushido with revisions by Kitsuki Emika. Yeah, but does I mean that's almost. Uh... What we're basically taking the this is the I mean you know it's a, it's a random Kitsuki, right? So, as as someone yes, as someone who's actually read it, what what are your thoughts? Because I I really don't have an opinion or shouldn't. 
Well, I don't know if you should or if you shouldn't. You absolutely should. Uh, But I would say this as a designer of games and toys. Mm. I would actually look at the section immediately before it, which is called Themes of Adventures in Rokugan. (laughs) And it says things like love, familial love, platonic love, romantic love, right? Heroism. Yeah. Devotion. These are themes. Okay, and now I'm going to get into the code of Akoto. So this is the code that was written by the god king who created the warrior caste, <laughs> right? Okay, so this is his idea of what you should be doing with your life. Mm. Compassion, courage, loyalty, accountability, faithful friendship. So what I would do is I would line these two up and say, Where do these come in conflict with each other? Where do these create in my toy the opportunity for there to be conflict and challenge and imagination? And then how do my how does my game play into that? Because if I line these two up, I see lots of great places where these are going to fight each other. Mm. Right. Where there's conflict within the game space. So I absolutely understand the the art. Understand. I appreciate the argument about bringing Neo-Confucianism into uh the discussion of the virtues of Bushido as articulated by a a samurai fanboy grandfather. Um, But (laughs) I I think as a game designer, I'm I'm asking a different question, right? Yeah. Which is how can I take these pieces, line them up and create create a toy that brings joy and interest and imagination to my players? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to take, I could do the same thing, right? Ambition. Here's one right here. Uh, It's a theme. Uh, One cannot control the circumstances they are born into, but they can, in most cases, force the hand of fate in their favor. Well, one, that's like Adventures in Rokugan on the 10, right? (laughs) Uh, But now I'm going to take at random uh, one of the the, uh, virtues. Uh, Faithful friendship. Friendship is especially important to adventurers. The transient lifestyle, blah, blah, blah. Friendships are rarely without imperfections. So ambition versus friendship. Now I have a great dynamic tell for a Mm. story in my game i could link that to a character i could link that to a place and a group of characters i could link that to do you see what i just did so Mm. i look i look at it differently so you're saying that it's not just about the you know code of the bushido as it and we are imparting the you know some piece of the lore of the world on the readers right we're using this combination of these things to tell players and game masters how to tell stories in this world right there is no honor value or glory value so it's nothing like you're tied to that at all and it's not trying to be a simulationist this is like a storytelling tool well this is part of the toy right Mm. this this is at its most basic form part of the toy of a role-playing game (laughs) is this idea of a story engine Where are there conflicts within my game world that generate of their own, if I just put the two pieces together, the three pieces together, they generate a story, right, that I can then play through as a game Um, and do those stories in those games then create a simulation, which makes sense to me. Mm. And that, so I I certainly, I guess I'd say I understand the point, the, the argument about Bushido or whatever. Uh, and I certainly and absolutely understand the question of whether we are accurately simulating a, an Asian, either a, a generic Asian or more specifically a Japanese Asian or a mythical Japanese Asian story. 
right? But I, I, I think of these more as pieces. <laughs> they're, they're tools. And those tools, in this case, I think are lovely, <laughs> right? Because uh, I don't even have to be an experienced game master to reach in here and go, uh, devotion and uh, sincerity. <laughs> yeah. How, how do I put those two together and make them bounce off each other? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. and putting it as, a, mm-hmm. as the code of a codo and the revisions, um, it just... It, it just makes it so that it's all in one capsule rather than, uh, you know, taking a lot of time to, like, talk about how they join together. I mean, we've talked about it um, and put it together sort of similarly and how the history goes and what's in there. But it's never spelled. Those revision things are, are not really spelled out well uh, especially how they can contrast to Ushido as as written, and so what it does is it just simplifies it all for players, uh, rather than having it in like three different sections. It just puts it all together in one. It does, but but having it as a random Kitsuki yeah. uh, does you know kind of snap the suspenders of disbelief for those of us who are you know longer-term L5R players, because it's a little weird. I would have liked to have it be, like, one of the commie, but... Yeah, or or or, or certainly um, much closer to when the Code of Okoto comes out. Yes. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good argument. I, I could definitely see... Uh, I definitely wonder why they made it a Katsuki. Uh, there's a certain... Uh, we love dragon aspect in this book, anyway. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, honestly, it's it's the fact. It's not even that it's a kitsuki; it's that it's some random person, right? Right. I, I would, I would, I would say much as I am. If it was any any clan, maybe a lion person, I would, but because that's, but if it's it's just some random person, and suddenly this becomes, uh, you know, some a foundational philosophy that everyone pays lip service to. If it'd been either like, like you could even have had it like this is these ideas were around from, uh, then the, I can't remember the name of the fake fantasy channel. I do apologize. Um, if those ideas had been around and then, then the code of a codo is here are some ideas based off that. These are the things that I personally think warriors need to pay attention to. <laughs> um, Anyway, like, I, like we can we can go on about this for quite yeah. some time. <laughs> we can, but the, yeah. So I, I don't disagree with you about the story. About necessarily disagree. I think we could we could figure out a story. But yeah, 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 yeah. My 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 point is that as a tool, right, putting it together is actually really helpful for the target audience because yeah. think think about the themes in a D and D game. Right, it's more about ancient evils and. Uh, points of light and, points yeah. of light and all that good stuff right that's all it's all it's all fun i run a lot of dnd games i it's fun mm. good stuff but that won't necessarily help me tell a rokugan game yeah 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 right whereas this i mean i i, I kind of just want to put these two on a spreadsheet and do a randomizer <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 and they give me the themes and some of them will give me the themes you were just talking about from the other from the other stories right yeah. from the samurai yes. movies they do. They're good for that. So, so that's kind of how I see it. There's the change itself, and there's how the change is presented, 
And sometimes those things can be at odds. And sometimes literally the way it is presented is what causes the problem. But, you know, but however, that's, no, I, think we've, I, think we've spent, I think we've spent quite a while on this one. Yeah, we've beaten this one down. Yeah. Maybe we should move on and talk about some of the... Um, there is just one change, I want, one thing I want to talk about, which is sure. the one big different thing about Adventures in Rock Again, as opposed to Legend of the Five Rings, is that you are playing adventurers. Yes. Right? And it's a big thing. And I think there's a little change I wish they'd made which I think they were, they were kind of saying they were going to, but it looks like they kind of haven't. And it's literally down to what year is this game set in? <laughs> because the reason why it is tough to do an adventuring party in Legend of the Five Rings is why are the seven clans who all hate each other working together, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that, is a, that is a problem we keep coming up with. Why are these people traveling together and we have to come up with oh they're magistrates or they're part of this imperial thing or whatever and mm-hmm. i and, and part of this is down to the card game we always, we always have to come back to this yeah the card game which required every clan to fight every other clan <laughs> so you need a backdrop where that happens if they had just set this in a time and said hey the great clans are all at peace <laughs> right if they just done that Mm-hmm. But they've kind of also, uh, my understanding is they've kind of said it's still in about 1123. It's a different, if it, it's a slightly different world. It's- that's the kind of thing. And, and I don't think that, I don't think enough has been done to make that clear. It's not in an era. Uh, okay, how do I put this? Think of it more as a completely alternate timeline. Like FFG was an alternative timeline to the AEG timeline. This is its sure. own completely alternative timeline. It's an alternative Rokugan. This isn't going to pick up where the old game left off. It's not going to be the continuation of of uh, L5R 5E. It's it's its own parallel universe. Its timeline is very loose. Um, things that happened around the founding of the Empire are different in the Adventures in Rokugan timeline than in the L5R time. Not completely impossible, but different. And then the whole Empire itself is is slightly different. So it is not a xenophobic Empire. It is not a... We have never seen a Naga in thousand years empire it is not a only the crab known nazumi exists empire you can have in this version of rokugan a nazumi walking down the street of a great clan city uh and it not be a a big big deal all right there are foreigners who frequently are in the rest of the empire they're rare but they are there and they're not just ronin they can be at all different levels of society because while the Battle of White Stag happened, it did not and caused a temporary blocking of uh, foreigners. It, 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 it didn't do it for all time. It just says the number of foreigners allowed in Rokugan since then have varied with, you know, the ruler. Well, to say the literal line, because I'd have it here in front of me. This ban has been loosened and renewed over the centuries as political expediency of the day has dictated. And so there's no set time when 
you play in this world. So they can't say it's this time. The current year is referred to as 1123. Mm. So, but again, here's the difference in the audiences, right? For an experienced L5R player, even me, 1123 means something. Yeah. Right? For a new L5R player, an Adventures in Rokugan player, this is this reads very much like the timeline in um, Midnight, which I also picked up at Gen Con, and or any of the other R- L5R or RPG books, right? It's, here's, a, here's a bunch of prehistory and some interesting stuff that happened, and here's your current date, of which we are not telling you anything moving forward. So that's your story to tell. Here's a random number that's the year. Yeah. Um, so And, and all and their example there things are from history, all, all different types. They have, like do an adventure from this time or this time or this time. And, and like, right. But that's the, but there, there we go back to the audience, right? If you were just, if you were just walking into this, it'd be 1123. Okay. Whatever. But we, we both, we, we, we've all been seeped in L5R lore. We know 1123. We know what the battle of white stag is. We know what its implications were. We know, we know the Maw's attack, right? I mean, all of those things. Um, they have very specific meanings to us. And to some extent, that sort of, that twitch, right? That's, that's, you, you, you realizing your toy is a little different than you thought. Or, but in this case, I would say it's not your toy necessarily just yet. That's, is that necessarily a good thing though, to say we are not just aiming this at a different audience, but we are explicitly going to exclude the current audience? Is that smart? I don't think it does. I think that it's inevitable when you shift audiences that you're going to say things that one audience didn't like, right? Um, I, I I don't think they're deliberately ter- choosing to exclude, but they're they're not necessarily including all of those other sensibilities because they're trying to do something a little bit different. Sure, but Explicitly. what if they'd they chosen the year 1050 instead? I, I don't think it would matter. Well, exactly. That would be my point. So, um, but let's see here. 1050. I mean, I mean, open in front of me. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, it, it, <laughs> they, they could have picked if, if the year is irrelevant, they could have picked a year that is actually irrelevant as well, opposed to one that has relevance. Right. They could, but then, and now, now we're speculating, right? Mm. Uh, if they intend to do a series of campaign books. Right. Right. Then with Day, of they, with Day of Thunder, then they want to proceed from a, which is you know, one of their strongest stories. So one would imagine they do. Um, then putting it in the timeline and at a time is probably a good idea. Um, if you're going to do historical books, right? So now I'm going to do the Battle of White Stag as a campaign. Maybe it matters a little bit less. But that thing goes back into our publishing schedule and thoughts about how we're going to build this product line that I don't think we necessarily know. Did that make sense as a statement? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, now, you could just completely redo it, redo all the timeline, but then you'd have exactly the same conversation. <laughs> uh, but the Day of Thunder wasn't 960. There is this thing where they, they seem to have tried to do two things at the same time and done neither well. Um, that is a, I mentioned this was a big book. <laughs> uh, I wasn't kidding. Uh, and you are at, they, they have covered a lot of ground here. Um, 
And yes, yeah, some of it could have used a different focus or was this were design decisions like we just talked about that 1123, which we may not know. We don't we clearly do not have insight into the intent. Mm-hmm. Uh, all we have is the result. And I don't I, I would argue that it's it's not that it's not doing it well. I mean, what what is what is the intent? It's an adaptation. And as an adaptation, it's not going to have everything exactly the same. We've already said that it's a it's a it's a slightly different version of uh, of of Rokugan, just like fifth edition uh, was a slightly different version of Rokugan at the starting point. From AEG's version, it's still Rokugan. It still has lots of the same things, but it's styled to have a different agenda and and focus uh, for its adventures. And things are slightly slightly different. Well, this is slightly different again, but not so different. It's not recognizable. It just depends on how rigid you are about uh, certain concepts. Being there, as opposed to being able to say, "Okay, this is a this is an adaptation, and things are slightly different in this r- version of the world." Boy, we've gone on on this topic. <laughs> yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't actually talked about the actual game at any point, so we probably should do that at some point. Because I wanted to get through. This might end up being more um, more episodes, but we can get at least get through our uh, um, what we were going to say today, and maybe it'll make two episodes instead of one. So. Well, but let, let's let's actually because let's play with that idea just a little bit, right? Because actually, this idea is right into why are there so many freaking species in species of Rokugan, right? You can play a naga, a human, uh, Mizumi, uh, Mozoku, which are demons, right? They're uh, <laughs> demons. Like they're, they're good guy demons, sort of. Sort of. Well, they're actually, they're bureaucrats, right? Yeah, they're yeah, bureaucratic yeah. demons. Uh, you can play a specter, a spirit of the dead. You can play a tingu. You can play a yokai, an animal, like a shape-shifting animal. They have literally a, a and anything else you can think of category, more or less. Yeah, I mean, you could be, um, you know, a painting. Uh, their example is a living painting for a unique existence. So why did we do, why did they do that? I mean, A, it's kind of cool. Um, oh, I love the idea of playing a Masoko and handing somebody, the, please fill out this paperwork before I kill you so I don't have to afterwards. I mean, to be, to be, to be perfectly honest, part of it is because if you hand Dungeons & Dragons players a setting and there's only humans, I think they'll probably implode. They, just, they would just, no. Well. <laughs> but also, like, like I say, there's a lot of fun to be had with it. Once, once you allow that, to happen once that's a, a thing right. and, the, and i think the main reason why it doesn't tend to happen in in core l5r is that there really isn't a system for making non-humans very easily whereas mm-hmm. dnd fifth edition really absolutely does have that so it's not it's not a it's not a difficult thing to do mm-hmm. and seeing as you can have fun with it why not it's it's not only that it's i think it's also because of these changes in the world so if i make a 25 foot long naga and stick it in or a mazoku or a ghost or a tengu and stick it in the l5r of regular fifth edition not dnd you know roll and keep um that is a hugely disruptive presence to any party every every encounter is going to be oh my gosh, you have a 25-foot naga walking with you, slithering 
with you. Uh, and, and it just like blows everything up. And you can't do some of these very mundane, I'm, I'm saying mundane, but it's not realistic Japanese games. With a- That's not really it. It's, it's just the way the society is set up. And I would argue that the changes have been made. Changes have been made to allow Naga, not that the changes that have been made allow Naga. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that, the, the, the design goal was to have as many different as to have as many different species as possible, because that's a thing you do in D&D. And the world has been changed to make that a thing you can do, which is perfectly fine. So that's that's explaining it, going back and saying, you know, some changes have happened to the world to make these things encounterable, deal with them in your party group without necessarily everyone having to be in disguise all the time. Right. And. Although most of them have some some sort of disguising ability, all of them, um, yeah. except maybe the Nizumi. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the idea of that, let's think about it in terms of a toy, right? Mm. Is to open up. It's not just it. It, it is that D and D has this toy where there can be multiple races that interact in a positive way. Mm. And they're actual different species that interact with each other in a normal way and share a common language. Right. Um, that's part of the toy of D&D. Right. That's part of the joy people get from it. And that's part of their they're bringing that toy to Rokugan, but doing it in a way that is very specifically Rokugani. Right. These Naga are not like any other Naga. These are Rokugani Naga. Yeah. yeah they're, not, they're not any other snake person. They're not any other snake person. Right. I mean, I got a whole section here on the unity. Um I, these Nizumi are really not your average ratman, right? I mean, no, these, no, no. these are described in very, very specific Rokugani terms. Mm-hmm. And same for all of them, including ghosts and everything. Respect, yeah, the, these are, going back to your, 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 your question, are we still Rokugan? Well, are we some sort of generic, uh, what, what are we here? These are Rokugani. I mean, these are, the language here is taken directly from other Rokugani supplements. Um, you know, some some of this language reads like it was written for the Naga, the Naga, the you know first edition Naga source book. I mean, this is this is very they they brought the toy into Rokugan, but they did it without changing that flavor, that feel. Now, does that does that in, by necessity then change the rest of Rokugan? Absolutely. Otherwise, you can't have. Uh, <laughs> You can't have a Naga walking down the street or a Nizumi walking down the street, but you can still keep the lore and the ideas, um, the language. It's a very small change, I guess. It just has big implications. <laughs> it has huge implications to the to the structure of the toy. If my toy is a uh, Edo period court drama where the constraints of honor are constantly crushing me. Um, my Naga's got nothing to do with that. <laughs> uh, you know, and there, there's a just, you know, that there's a concern then for that player. Um, but more broadly, yeah, I mean, that's a, it, it's, it's lovely. And the language is very much Rokugan. Now, what Rokugan is, is a whole different, <laughs> right? Right. But all of these, all of the, all of the things except... Um, the unique existence, which by definition is unique, unique. Um, were are from <laughs> materials that have been created 
for for Rokugan in the past for different things, or uh, you know, a little bit increase a little bit added from Japanese mythology to expand it, but it's all been in one source book or another throughout the past. You know, it even even things like the specters and you know, yes, you can play a a, a yokai, a, a ghost. From the realm of hungry ghosts, and you can have no feet, and it, it's all just as they've been depicted. But now it's a PC, mm-hmm. you know. In terms, of, in terms of all of those those species, it's all things that were there before, but just broadening it to PCs. And it bro- it broadens it to PCs, and it broadens the potential drivers for the stories. Right again, back to the, it's part of a toy. So my my stories as a specter are different than my stories as a living human are different than my stories as a mozoku and that then goes back to my my little the little thing i did where i compared the themes and the ideals of rokugan from the code of akoto and the teaching of the teachings of senshi and the book of five ranks but it's all there um you know how do that gives me another layer of intersection how does a mozoku deal with a question of a conflict between uh loyalty or accountability because they're accountable to their actions and exploration. Uh, they have to do something new and different. I, that, that thing creates just more opportunities. Does that make sense as an approach? Mm. Did you have any other questions or thoughts? Questions since we read it, Govar? No, I think we've, we've done a bunch of covering of it. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to give a call out to Fortune and Strife, our affiliated actual play guest. We're coming back very, very soon. So keep your ears out for that. Our content is funded by the Community Discord Patreon, which supports our editing costs, as well as our website where you can store and see longer term information. Uh, for our Patreons, we do try to have special bonus content like Adventure Seeds, early access to Fortune and Strife. So as I said, that's coming back. And other things as we think about them. Online, you can find us at our website, courtgamespod.com. On Twitter, we are twitter.com slash courtgamespod. And you can find us on Patreon if you want to support us and what we do. Our Patreon is at patreon.com slash courtgames. But that's it for this week. This is Kikita Kaori. May the fortunes favor you. And I have been Korva. And until we meet again, keep your jade handy.